0: Welcome to Media at Risk, a podcast from the Center for Media at Risk at the Annenberg School for Communication at the University of Pennsylvania. In this episode, doctoral student and producer, Mira McCammon, sits down with Bethany Wiggin and Paul Farber of the Penn Program in Environmental Humanities. A collective of scholars, students, artists, scientists and educators, whose mission is to generate local and global awareness and engagement in the emergent area of environmental humanities. Mira talks with Bethany and Paul about their project titled Data Refuge, a safe harbor for environmental data, and the role that storytelling and connection play in fostering a sense of intersection and collectivity around environmental issues.
1: My name is Mira McCammon. I'm a doctoral student at the Annenberg School for Communication. Before this spring, I'd never really given much thought about how climate media might be at risk, or what it even was. And then I came across Data Refuge. Data Refuge is a Philadelphia-based project that launched in November 2016 in order to draw attention to how climate denial endangers environmental data. Now, with the support of National Geographic and a series of other partners, It's working to build a storybook to document how data lives in the world and how it connects people, places, and non-human species. In today's episode, and in this mini-series, produced in the weeks before the launch of the Center for Media at Risk, we consider different corners of the global media environment and how its practitioners work under threatening political conditions. This March, I paid a visit to Dr. Paul Farber and Dr. Bethany Wiggin two of the project's core team members at the University of Pennsylvania. I went to find out what Data Refuge is and how it came to be.
2: Data Refuge, I think quite literally, was born in the Schuylkill River. We work with our community partners. like We work in wildlife refuges, but we also really are trying to get at that larger question of like, why do we care about this place but not that place? Why do we call that nature but not this nature? So, one of the, the really big pushes that the Program in Environmental Humanities, a collaborative research project that's been going on for about two and years and change, um, is this Schuylkill Core that we have been building. And in the Schuylkill Core, the Schuylkill Core draws attention to the kind of data. About the tidal Schuylkill River, that we wish we had, but we don't. We, we are keenly aware of what happens when pollutant load data is missing and the types of violations that can happen. So, we wanted to know what makes it possible to forget, like actively forget a place. The students. Who have year-long fellowships in the program in environmental humanities, they were very aware of what happens when there isn't environmental data, when there isn't environmental regulation, when there isn't document, like, on the record about what's happening in our natural world. They started thinking, well, is that our future? That tidal river where we don't know anything, is that what the future of United States landscapes looks like? We thought it was our past, before the Clean Water Act, before the Clean Air Act, but with an administration that is hell-bent on tearing down all of the protections that have been put into place since the late 60s and early 70s, that very well may be our future. And the students were horrified, (laughs) really horrified, but also very pragmatically oriented. And they said, you know, first thing we have to do is draw attention to the ways that Past data is actually vulnerable. Like, it's one thing to think about, like, what's all the data that's missing for the titles, Google? But when you're starting to talk about the scope of the entire Clean Water Act or Clean Air Act Mm -hmm. and all of EPA data and some of energy data and uh, NOAA, and you're like, oh my God, this is a wicked problem.
1: How do you deal with the emotions that? that are tied to data, and particularly environmental data, or emotions that are evoked?
2: Yeah. Oh, you really, that is the perfect question. Because on the one hand, there is a sense of incredible urgency. You know, when we talk about, is the titles, Google, the future of American landscapes more broadly? That feels pretty urgent, and for anyone who has driven past Philadelphia's energy refining complex along the titles school, they know that sense of urgency. On the other hand, data, when it's not attached to a particular place, or it's not attached to a particular concern, is actually mind-numbingly boring. Like Data doesn't mean anything until humans make it meaningful. And I think that that has that combination of sense of urgency and then how to make data an urgent concern shared by a broad coalition of actors across sectors, uh, has really been at the heart of the project.
0: I think one of the most important Aspects of data refuge is to balance, you know, the the real vulnerability of data, especially those that help understand um, the degradation of our climate, of of, of our environments and.